Hello, my friends. Uh, good day to you. This is Pastor Christopher Alam at home in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. I trust you and your household are doing well. And uh, we are on the subject of the blood covenant. And today we're going to talk about uh, another one of the uh, one of the covenant men. We talked about Abraham and Moses. And now we're going to talk about some lesser known covenant men, men who walked in their covenant with God. And they are of um, this is going to be interesting because I'm picking about three, four of them and they're all different to each other. They were not all the same. They were very different. And um, well, anyway, let's look at the first one. Uh, after um, Moses and Abraham, of course, because Abraham and Moses are two very famous men in the Bible. But uh, these uh, are not that known or you have heard their name, heard their names and they're not their exploits are not very well known. But the interesting thing about them is that they are all in the uh, 11th chapter of the book of Hebrews, which is, I call it the, uh, the gallery of the heroes of faith or the hall of fame of faith in, in the Bible. So all of these men, they're lesser known than Abraham and Moses, but they're in the uh, in the gallery of heroes of faith. And the first man uh, in, in the first covenant man of this list is a man called Jephthah, Jephthah. And, and Judges 11, 1 to 10 tells us about Jephthah. Now he says, now Jephthah the Gileadite was a mighty man of valor, but he was the son of a harlot. He was the son of a prostitute. And Gilead begot Jephthah. Gilead's wife bore sons, and when his wife's son grew up, they drove Jephthah out and said to him, You shall have no inheritance in our father's house, for you are the son of another woman. Then Jephthah fled from his brothers and dwelt in the land of Tob, and worthless men banded together with Jephthah and went out raiding with him. Now, this is, let us pause here for, for a while. Now, it tells us about Jephthah's background. Jephthah's uh, father, Gilead, was a married man. He was a married man with a family, but it looks like he was having an affair with a prostitute on the side. She was a prostitute, a harlot means a prostitute, and she was like a woman, a mistress he had on the side. So what happened was that Jephthah was born of that prostitute with whom Gilead was having an affair. So Jephthah, you can say he was what they would call an illegitimate child because, but you know, honestly, for me, I do not think any child is illegitimate because, because look, it is not the child's fault that his mother was a prostitute or his, or, or if not a prostitute, if a child is born of an affair, it's not the child's fault that his mother had an affair or his mother was the other woman. You know, in, in many cultures, a thing like this carries a lot of stigma, especially, you know, in the Middle East, in India and those places, uh, you know, if, if a person is born the child of a, a, a prostitute or is born a, as an illegitimate child or born of an affair or an unwed mother, it carries a lot of shame and stigma. And often those children, even when they grow up, they're constantly reminded of that. And people in society do not accept them uh, because they always talk about this person by his past. 
And it is a very, very sad thing because you see, it was not the child's fault that he was born that way. Maybe the parents' fault, but it was not the child's fault. No, but anyway, Jephthah was the son of Gilead, but he was born of a prostitute who his father had been having an affair with. Now, Gilead's wife, that means Jephthah's, um, I mean, Jephthah's father's wife, she had sons. And when the sons grew up, they chased Jephthah out. So obviously Jephthah was living with his father and he was the stepbrother and they chased him out. And they said, you are not allowed to live with us. So I think Jephthah's father must have died. The Bible doesn't say so, but must something must have happened that they chased Jephthah out and said, you are the son of this other woman and we don't want you around us. We don't want you in the house. So Jephthah suffered a lot of rejection. So either his father was dead or his father didn't have the guts to speak up on his behalf and said that and say, stand up for him that this is my son. But anyway, so Jephthah grew up with his rejection. He was kicked out of his father's house. So it says in verse three, then Jephthah fled from his brothers and dwelt in the land of Tob. He went to the land of Tob, which was another country. And he went there and worthless men banded together with Jephthah and went out raiding with him. So there was a bunch of useless people. I don't know whether they were criminals or what they were, but these were not good men. They joined with Jephthah and they went out raiding with him. So it probably means they were into looting and raiding, doing things like that. Then what happens? Verse four, and it came to pass after a time that the people of Ammon made war against Israel. And so it was when the people of Ammon made war against Israel that the elders of Gilead went to get Jephthah from the land of Tob. So uh, when, uh, you know, Ammon was, uh, was waging war against Israel and Israel was hard pressed. So the elders of Gilead, they went to get Jephthah because they knew that they had heard of his reputation, that he was a great warrior. He was a good fighter, so they needed, needed him, so they went to get him. And verse 6, it says, Then they said to Jephthah, Come and be our commander, that we may fight against the people of Ammon. So Jephthah said to the elders of Gilead, Did you not hate me and expel me from my father's house? Why have you come to me now when you're in distress? These are his words. Didn't you hate me and threw me out of my father's house? Why are you coming to me now? Then the elders of Gilead said to Jephthah, that is why we have turned against to you, turned again to you now, that you may go with us and fight against the people of Ammon and be our head over all the inhabitants of Gilead. So they said to him, listen, you know, this is why we are here because we really need you and we want you to, to lead us in the fight and be our leader, be our head. So not just lead the fight, but also be their head. So Jephthah said to the elders of Gilead, if you take me back home, you see, he still looked at that as his home. The people who had rejected, rejected him, he still counted them his family. The house he had been driven out of, he still considered that his home. So he said, to the elders of Gilead, if you take me back home to fight against the people of Ammon and the Lord delivers them to me, shall I be your head? He says, if you're okay, if I go and fight for you 
and and the Lord delivers them to me and I defeat Ammon, shall, shall I be ahead? And the elders of Gilead said to Jephthah, the Lord will be a witness between us if we do not do according to your words. So Jephthah went with the elders of Gilead and the people made him head and commanded over them. And Jephthah spoke all his words before the Lord and Mizpah. So obviously he was a man who trusted the Lord. And uh, he said that um, he, uh, you know, so they took him back. Not only did they took him back, but he became the head. So that is, you know, a wonderful story of uh, how a person who is totally rejected was brought back by the, called back by the very people who rejected him. And he ended up becoming like the head of the family. Amen. So Jephthah is one of the heroes of faith. So this is one example of a covenant man of God who God used and people saw and they, they finally recognized him. So remember, if you have suffered difficulty or rejection, that is not the end of the story. It's not people who get to write the end of your story. It is God who gets to write the end of your story. If you walk with God, walk in the covenant that you have with him through the blood of Jesus, God will write the final chapters of your life. Praise God. Praise God. Anyway, the next person I'm going to talk about on this list is a man called Samson. Now, you heard of Samson. Samson is not as well known as uh, Abraham and Moses, and he's more known than uh, Jephthah, but that was mainly because of that movie, Samson and Delilah. And uh, that's where I first heard of Samson. And But most people don't really know his story. So let's read, read his story. Judges chapter 13, 1 and 2. It says, Again, the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord delivered them into the hand of the Philistines for 40 years. Remember, I told you that God's covenant with Israel was not unconditional. That just because people these days think that, oh, if someone is a Jew, God is with him. Not necessarily so. It is conditional to faith and obedience. That is why we must preach the word of God. We must preach the gospel to our Jewish friends. We must because Christ Jesus is the only hope and they are not blessed. Even though God has a covenant in place, they are not blessed by the covenant unless they are walking in faith. Because here it says, the people of Israel, they sinned against the sight of the Lord. And what happened is that the Lord delivered them into the hands of the Philistines for 40 years. They suffered for 40 years because of their sin and their disobedience. Now there was a certain man for, uh, from Zorah of the family of the Danites, whose name was Manoah, and his wife was barren and had no children. So there was a man uh, from the tribe of Dan. Uh, his name was Manoah and Manoah and had no children and his wife couldn't have children. And the angel of the Lord appeared to the woman, that is Manoah's wife, and said to her, Indeed, now you are barren and have borne no children, but you shall conceive and bear a son. Now, therefore, please be careful not to drink wine or similar drink and not to eat anything unclean. For behold, you shall conceive and bear a son and no razor shall come upon his head for the child shall be a Nazarite to God from the womb and he shall begin to deliver Israel from the hand of the Philistines. So the woman bore a son and called his name Samson 
and the child grew and the Lord blessed him. And the spirit of the Lord began to move upon him at Mahane, Dan between Zorah and Ishtar. Now, several things about Sam. Firstly, Samson was a child of promise. God had a destiny for him. God, this word of the Lord, the angel of the Lord said to Manoah and his wife that your son is the one who's going to deliver Israel from their enemies. Because by that time, they had lived in bondage to their enemies for 40 years. They had suffered for 40 years. And, uh, and so the angel said that your son is going to begin to deliver Israel. He's going to set your people free. So he was a child of promise. You know, he was not just an ordinary kid. He was a child of promise. Secondly, he was an answer to his parents' prayers because his, his parents couldn't have children. His mother was barren. So he was an answer to their prayers. Plus, he was a child of promise. The third thing, it says in verse 25, and the spirit of the Lord began to move upon him in Mahane Dan between Zorah and Eshtol. The third thing is that Samson knew the movings of the Holy Spirit from a young age. Can you imagine growing up in an atmosphere where you get to know and be familiar with and understand the ways of the Holy Spirit, the moving of the Holy Spirit it says that the Spirit of the Lord, not just that he was in a meeting and the Spirit was moving, but the Spirit of the Lord began to move on him. So he had this personal encounters with the Holy Spirit at a young age. Okay, Judges 14.1. Now Samson is grown up. He's a young man. It says, now Samson went down to Timnah and saw a woman in Timnah of the daughters of the Philistines. So he now Israel was forbidden to intermarry with these other tribes that were not Israelites. But Samson, one thing you see about him, Samson was a man of the flesh. I mean, he he had this thing about women. And so he saw a pretty girl who was a Philistine. And so he wanted her. So he went to his father and mother saying, I've seen a woman in Timnah of the daughters of the Philistines. Now, therefore, get her for me as a wife. So, look, Samson was a Nazirite, right? He was not allowed to cut his hair. He was not allowed to drink alcohol. And he was not allowed to touch women. That was a part of the Nazirite vow. So, well, as far as Samson was concerned, he kept only part of the Nazirite vow. He, uh, he didn't cut his hair. Okay, now I don't know about whether he drank alcohol or not. We don't know. Maybe he did. Maybe he didn't. But there's no mention of it in the Bible. But the women part, because I said he had this thing with his flesh. So uh, he apparently has disregarded that because a Nazarite is also to live in celibacy. So Samson, he wanted this woman. Plus, not only was he breaking the Nazarite vow, but he was also... Uh, wanted to marry this girl who was not an Israel, Israelite, which God had expressly forbidden. So anyway, verses 5 and 6 in Judges 14. So Samson went down to Timnah with his father and mother and came to the vineyards of Timnah. Now to his surprise, a young lion came running against him. Then he says, 
And this is something you'll read often in the life of Samson when you read the scriptures about the life of Samson. And verse 6 says, And the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon, mightily upon him, and he tore the lion apart as one would have torn apart a young goat, though he had nothing in his hand, but he did not tell his father or his mother what he had done. So he, he actually... This lion came upon him, and when the lion came on him, the anointing hit him. When the anointing came on him, Samson, this, the, 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 you know, the anointing moves in different ways on different people. But in Samson's case, it was supernatural strength. So anointing came upon him, and with his bare hands, he tore that lion apart. Now, I must add here, you know, in the movie Samson and Delilah, Samson is depicted as this huge muscular guy. But I believe that is wrong. Every depiction I've seen of Samson is this huge muscular guy like he's been working out in a gym and looks like a bodybuilder. No, the source of Samson's strength was not in his flesh, in his muscles, but it was in the power of the Holy Spirit. And that was the unique thing about Samson. So I believe that this is my take. I could be wrong again. I believe Samson looked like a very ordinary person. and But when the Spirit of God came upon him, that is when he had this supernatural strength. But again, that's me. In Judges 15 verses 14 to 16, then he says, When he came to Lehi, the, Philippine, the Philistines came shouting against him. The Philistines attacked him. Then the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him, and the ropes that were in his arms became like flax that is burned by fire, and his bonds broke loose from his hands. He found a fresh jawbone of a donkey, reached out his hand, and took it, and killed a thousand men with it. Can you imagine? All these Philistines attacked him, attacked him, and the Spirit of the Lord came upon Samson, and this power came on him. He picked up the jawbone of a donkey and just got to work and he killed a thousand Philistines with it. Then Samson said, with the jawbone of a donkey, heaps upon heaps, with the jawbone of a donkey, I have slain a thousand men. He killed a thousand men with the, with the jawbone of a donkey. <coughs> Judges 16 to 15. Now, now Samson went to Gaza and saw a harlot there, a prostitute, and went into her. Now, just, I just want you to think, this is a guy that God has raised up to deliver Israel, okay? God has told him that you're a Nazarite, you can't cut your hair, can't drink alcohol, can't touch women, and, and he's, the, he's the judge or the deliverer of Israel. God has raised him up expressly to deliver the people of Israel and he knows the moving. He's very familiar with the moving of the spirit. So what does he do? He goes to Gaza and he saw a prostitute there and he went into her. He went and spent the night with this prostitute. Then the Gazites were told Samson had come here. They surrounded the place and lay in wait for him all night at the gate of the city. They were quiet all night saying, in the morning when it is daylight, we will kill him. So, can you imagine? I mean, they said that he's spending the night with this prostitute. That means only one thing, okay? He's spending the night with this prostitute and the Gazites, uh, they were told Samson is here. So what they did, they surrounded the place and lay in wait. They said, we'll wait here all night when 
he comes out in the morning, we are going to kill him. Okay? What's, what did Samson do? And Samson lay low at midnight. Then he arose at midnight. Then he walked to the city gates. He took hold of the doors of the gates and the two gates, gate posts, pulled them up, bar and all, put them on his shoulders and carried them to the top of the hill that faces Hebron. Now, it doesn't say expressly that the Spirit of God came upon him, but I'm sure the anointing must have come on him because he got the same spiritual strength. He picked up the gates of the city and these things weighed, I don't know how much they weigh, but they're heavy. He picked up the gates and the posts and put them on his shoulders and carried them. I mean, I want you to, I want you to see something here. That here is a man, he, he just indulges his flesh. He is a child of promise. And the anointing of God is on him. It's very enigmatic. People like that. We don't understand them. Uh, because he he's chosen by God. He's called by God. God has a task for him. God has called him to deliver the people of Israel. And he knows the anointing from a young child. A child of promise and all that. And now he has come to the point when he's sleeping with a prostitute. Right? And uh, he finds out they're waiting for him. He gets up out of the prostitute's uh, apartment or wherever it is, and 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 he and he picks up the gate of the city, and he and it doesn't say anywhere that he repented or he cried out to God. Nothing. He's so uh, used to being who he was in the flesh. There were no checks and balances in, in his life. There was no no one to correct him. He just did what he his flesh told him to do. But for some reason. God just kept his hand upon him. The Lord didn't withdraw his hand from him, but kept his hand upon him. And this is a, uh, this can be, you know, a person can allow the, uh, when a person sees this kind of grace from God upon his life, instead of understanding that what I'm doing wrong, but this is the grace of God, it's very dangerous if he begins to think, you know, I guess it's okay what I'm doing because I still have the anointing. People still get healed in my ministry and, you know, God still uses me. Look at the big church, this big ministry I built and no matter what I do, God still uses me. So I guess the rules that apply to others don't apply to me because God uses me. That is a very dangerous place to be in. Anyway, then what happened? Afterward, it happened that he loved a woman in the valley of Sorek. His name was Delilah. So now he meets another woman. So as I said, he had this thing with women, Delilah. And the lords of, lords of the Philistines came up to her and said to her, Entice him and find out where his great strength lies and by what means we may overpower him that may bind to afflict him. And every one of us will give, 11, give you 1,100 pieces of silver. Then Delilah saw that he had told her all. So anyway, then Delilah began to work on him, to test him. She, because she wanted to find out what is the secret of his secret of his strength. If I find out the secret of his strength, then I will hand him over to Philistines. And, and she, he just played with her, you know. He, he just told her, well, if you tied him with, with ropes, so he tied me with these vines or flowers, whatever, you know. And then finally she vexed him. And just she said to him, you know, don't really love me. You don't really love me. You must tell me what it is. So then finally Samson gave her his biggest secret. And that was his hair 
that was the one part of his Nazarite vow that he had still kept. You know, those things that are between you and God. Of course, Nazarite vow is an Old Testament thing. And even in the Old Testament, it was not for everybody. And it's definitely not a New Testament thing because it's not even mentioned in the New Testament. But, but there are certain things. There can be other things that are private and are very holy between man and God. And you should never give those things away. And this is what Samson did. He told her that, you know, it's my hair. That's my Nazarite vow. It's my vow to God. And so, verse 19, she lulled him to sleep on his knees, on her knees, and called for a man and had him shave off the seven locks of his head. Then she began to torment him, and his strength left him. And she said, The Philistines are upon you. And so he woke up from his sleep and said, Oh, I will do as before. As at other times, as other times, the Holy Ghost will come on me. I will shake myself free. And then comes the saddest words in the Bible. Verse 20. But he did not know that the Lord had departed from him. The devil was setting him up. But Samson, when the anointing left him, it says he did not know that the spirit of the Lord had departed from him. Then the Philistines took him and put him, put out his eyes and brought him down to Gaza. They, they cut his hair, they took his, plucked his eyes, they gouged his eyes out, made him blind. Then now he's helpless, his strength is gone, he's blind and they, he, and they tied him to this grinding machine and he was grinding in the prison. And uh, so here, here he is totally helpless, totally helpless, lost everything because of his sin, because of his unrepentant heart. However, because he took God for granted. Then it says, however, the hair of his head began to grow again after it had been shaken, shaven. Now here's the tragedy of Samson. Firstly, his lust after women. Secondly, although God had raised him up, him up to be the deliverer of Israel, the only times that the anointing ever came upon him was to deliver him, himself, from some trouble he had gotten into because of his own lust and his sin. Can you imagine? God had raised him up to be the deliverer of Israel, but he never did anything from his, for Israel. Never did a thing for Israel. The only time the anointing would come upon him was to deliver him from some trouble he had gotten into because of his own uncontrolled flesh. Now let us see the end of the story in chapter 16 verses 20 to 30. Now the lords of the Philistines gathered together to offer a great sacrifice to Dagon their God <coughs> and to rejoice and they said, Our God has delivered into our hands Samson our enemy. Then the lords, when the people saw him, they praised their God and said, our God has, has delivered into our hands our enemy, the destroyer of our land, and the one who multiplied our dead. Then they said, Oh, call Samson that he may perform for us. And he says, So they called Samson from the prison and he performed for them. So now from being the deliverer of Israel, the man of God, he's now a performer. He's entertaining the enemy. And then, then they stationed him between the pillar. Then Samson said to the Lord who had held him by the hand, 
Let me fill the pillars which support the temple so I can lean on them. Now the temple was full of men. All the Philistines were there, about 3,000 women on the roof watching while Samson performed. Then something happened to Samson. Samson, he called out to the Lord. There he was standing between the pillars of the temple. Then he called out to the Lord. Now, the interesting thing, in the entire book, we never see Samson calling out to the Lord even once. He just took the whole thing for granted. I will do this, and when I'm in trouble, the anointing would come upon me, and boom, I will deliver myself. But this is the first and the last time in his life that he ever called out to the Lord. And he called out to the Lord from the bottom of his heart. And he said, oh Lord God, remember me. He thought God had forgotten him. I'm sure he had a lot of thinking, a lot of remorse during that time. Oh Lord God, remember me, I pray. Strengthen me, I pray. Just this once, oh God, so that I may with one blow take vengeance on the Philistines from my two eyes. And then he began to shake the temple and he pushed and pushed and pushed and the temple collapsed and all the leaders of the Philistines were killed. And then it says the last verses in this verses, so the dead that he killed at his death were more than, than he had killed his life in his life. Here's the amazing thing that his whole life was wasted, but in his last moment, he turned to the Lord and cried out to God and God heard him and God sent that anointing back upon Samson one more time. And that last act of faith, that one, that last act of faith, there he stood like a true covenant man and cried out unto God and he shook the temple and he fulfilled with his death what he never did in his life. So Samson fulfilled his destiny, but because of a sin, he paid with his life. And not only that, that one final act of faith that Samson did, that was the only, you can say that was the only good thing he ever did in his life, that one last act of faith from the depth of his heart, depth of his heart when he cried out to God, that propelled him from where he was to the hero's gallery of faith in Hebrews chapter 11. It says, by faith, Samson. Hallelujah, glory be to God. Listen, beloved, when people live in sin and they use the name of the Lord and they sin and you got people who are in the ministry committing adultery. You've got people doing all kinds of things. Listen to me. If you repent and you turn to the Lord and you cry out to the Lord with all your heart, even if it is with your last breath, God is still going to honor that covenant and he's going to touch you. But it takes that cry from the heart, that one last cry. God will hear that. Let's pray for Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for my brothers and sisters. Touch all our hearts. Use us mightily for your glory. Father, if there's anyone who is listening to me who is like Samson, Father, I pray that their cry of repentance be heard in heaven and they be set free from every bondage so they can rise and take their place as men and women of God. Use them for, for your glory in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, God bless you. I'll be seeing you again tomorrow.